Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I am Sarah. I'm Jane. And we are sitting on a porch in Maryland right now. Um, it's a closed-in porch, but this was our best space to do some recording. So you're going to get some fun, ambient noises of nature. Yeah, in this- the distance <laughs> there's some traffic, but mostly right now we're just surrounded by woods. It's very ser- it's serene here. I like it. This would have been a good environment for the werewolves episode. Lots of nature. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Might hear some crickets. I guess it's the middle of the day, so maybe not. Some There's some, like bug sounds though i don't know yeah you know bug noises you know nature noises so please enjoy this ambient soundtrack it's all natural yeah you can listen to this as you're lying in bed yeah we're gonna try to talk very relaxed we will try not to just just, <laughs> we'll try not to scream into your ear as best we can but even though i get in trouble for that every episode yeah well I apparently scream. i do it too i do it too it's not even like you it's so funny because when we're talking normally you have a very normal talking noise but then it's like your the voice that you take on for the podcast is a like I'm talking loud like I'm on a talk <laughs> show like I just had to lean back to do that <laughs> um it's very funny it's not like your natural I'd say like how you just said that was very natural I don't know is it well just- anyway <laughs> <laughs> there she goes there she goes how are you doing I'm good we're having a nice vacation mm-hmm. Um, we did a puzzle yesterday. Oh my gosh. And we finished it in one day and I've never been so pleased. Last <laughs> year we went on a similar vacation and nothing tormented me more than the fact that we left the puzzle unfinished. It was a bigger puzzle. It was a 2000 piece puzzle and it had this crazy gold frame around Ugh. it. I'd say of the 2000 pieces, probably 200 pieces were the gold frame and they were so similar and just trying to get it to fit together. It was like the nightmare of my life. This Impossible. was, this was, it had its details. You know, mm-hmm. it was a Shakespeare puzzle. It was very nice, but it definitely was not as challenging. And we stayed up until 1.30 a.m. so we could finish it. I was like, no sleep until we finished. Yeah, you, we would have been restless. I would have been laying there thinking about it. Because there's always We're that one piece that you're like, I just need this one piece yeah. and I'll feel so satisfied. And I was having trouble finding I had a couple of those that I was trying to find. I definitely wouldn't have been able to sleep. So I'm glad we did that. We did it. And then we slept very well and woke up much later than we intended yeah but, but we woke up nice and early yesterday and we're still accomplishing yeah. things yeah having a nice vacation we are how are you Sarah I'm good I'm enjoying our vacation it's funny because it's like I'm on vacation like I get two days off and suddenly I'm on <laughs> vacation like it's like don't talk to me like don't call me don't text me <laughs> no I'm I'm happy with all the people I've talked to since do we've not been call here. me do not beat me do, do not, not call me do not do me. not reach me <laughs> do not try to reach me so I'm having fun. I'm having a good time. I love relaxing. Thank you, Kelsey's mom and dad, for taking us on vacation. We get to hang out with some dogs, which is always a gift. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I just cuddled with a Korg. Yeah. The Corgi is the best. We love him. So that's nice. And there's Wawa here, which anytime I get to spend near a Wawa is a good time for me. Wait, wait. I wish it was chillier. Like it was ni- It's nice this temperature because we went swimming this morning. Mm-hmm. But now that it's almost the end of... It'll be October by the time this episode comes out. Like I want <gasps> it to be chilly. Spooky times. It's going to be... I want it to be spooky and chilly. Yeah. It's my favorite time of year. And it's still like hot and a little humid. And I, I just went swimming. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for that time to pass now. So. So. Please tell me about the Molly Maguires. I'd be happy to. Okay, so the Molly Maguires were a secret society that started in Ireland. Okay. In 
the 1800s mm-hmm. and then continued to exist in America. Okay. Once a, a lot of Irish immigrants came to the United States. Yes. It also exists in Liverpool, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. I wonder uh, if there's an Ir- a big Irish population in Liverpool. Maybe. That's maybe. That's probably it. But they're not quite like the secret society that we think of. Like, I feel like when It's I, not like the 13 Club? The 13 Club sounds so cool. I feel like when we think of secret societies, we think of like the 13 club being like mm-hmm. a group of rich people who are like in secret, have crazy yeah. parties, but don't reveal their identities. And okay. Yeah. Things like that. And yes, the society was secret, but it was more so, well, it sort of, it changed a lot, but when it first started, it was almost like a vigilante group. Oh, um, okay. Kind of like the black Panthers. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there were a lot of secret societies. There are a number of secret societies in Ireland, actually, in the 18th and 19th century. Um, a couple of the other ones were the White Boys, the Peepo... <laughs> <laughs> That's not a secret society. They're everywhere. Well, they're, they were called, <laughs> th- that group was called the White Boys because, like, when they would do their, like, deeds, they yeah, would their dress in all white things. Co- they would cover themselves in all white. Okay. That kind of sounds like the Ku Klux Klan. It, but... it does, but it was... Uh, before <laughs> the Ku Klux Klan, so that's another. That's a good another name for the Ku Klux Klan, though. White the white boys, boys. <laughs> white boys, yeah. Um, there was the Peepo Day Boys, the Ribbon Men, uh, and then the Molly Maguires. Now, the Molly Maguires were called the Molly Maguires because it, when they were sort of first starting, there was an article published about them in, in the Times. Written by... Um, the New York Times? No, The Times. I think it was an um, Irish okay. newspaper. It's just called um, The Times. Yeah, okay. called The Times. Thomas Campbell Foster, on the 25th of August, 1845, traced the commencement of Molly Maguireism to Lord Lorton eject- ejecting tenants in... There's so many Irish okay. places. Okay. Um, okay. In Ballinamuck, okay. County Langford, in 1835... And what was published was an address of Molly Maguire to her children, oh. containing 12 rules that were published in the Freeman's Journal on 17th of July, 1845. Okay. Basically, the Molly Maguires were like an agrarian group that wanted basically the working class to be treated fairly. Okay, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of violence going on in Ireland between tenants and landlords and Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of mistreatment of farming communities and as we know like the potato famine is coming soon yeah Um, so did this start as a response to like Irish oppression by the British as well maybe but it was more so Ireland's had a lot of political it was more so between like the wealthy and the working class okay okay it was a lot of like Okay, well, <laughs> I will say the three adjectives that are used to describe the, the Molly Maguires are rural, local, and Gallic. And they really were big supporters of not Irish nationalism as in, like, the colonial culture that, like, existed at the time. But they were more so um, fond of the their Gallic heritage or Gaelic heritage. Yeah. I'm saying Gallic because that's how they say it on Outlander, but... Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Everything we know about <laughs> Great Britain comes Which from Which is Outlander. Scotland, but whatever. Um, so the victims of most of the violence in this time were um, Irish land agents, middlemen, and tenants. Okay. And the Molly Maguire... Is someone shooting geese? No, it sounds like a car is just like backfiring. backfiring. Okay, yeah. Do you want me to say that again? Sure. 
Uh, a majority of the victims of the agrarian violence that was going on at the time were Irish land agents, middlemen, and tenants. And tenants are as in like one wealthy person would like own all the land. Oh, kind of like area. feudalism. Yeah, it's a lot okay. of feudalism. And certain like poorer farmers would be given certain areas of land, but they would owe rent to the people who owned the land. Yeah, that's how that's what sharecropping. The equivalent of that yeah. would be sharecropping in America, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, when you say agrarian, do you literally mean like agriculture? Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. The Molly Maguires just wanted to make sure that everyone was being treated fairly, and not even just yeah, like the middle class farm or the poorer farmers. Yeah. Like, they wanted landlords who were treating their people fairly to also be treated fairly like right as long as everyone was being nice to everybody they were, were happy equity. these are the rules that molly mcguire wrote to her children okay in that um piece of writing and they were one keep strictly to land question by allowing no landlord more than fair value for his tenure okay which basically means like rent can't be too high or too low. right pay what's fair yeah pay what's fair um, no rent to be paid until harvest. Oh. Which makes sense because yeah. if you're a farmer, you're not going to have money until you have crops to sell. Right. So you can't pay rent until you have those. Right. Not even then without an abatement where the land is too high. I don't know what that means. An abatement where the land is too high? Um, maybe. The, I mean, they're saying that in areas where um, harvesting is more difficult. Oh, pro- it would yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. It, like they would have to fairly compensate Not for that until there is a harvest, yeah. and if there's for some particular natural reason why harvest couldn't occur, yeah. you still can't get rent. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, no undermining of tenants nor bailiffs' fees to be paid. So, like, if you owed money, like you do owe money as long okay. as it's fair. Um, no turning out of tenants unless two years' rent due before ejectment serves. So you couldn't just randomly evict someone. Okay. Assist to the utmost of your power the good landlord in getting his rents. Mm-hmm. So if you were a fair landlord and you had reasonable need for the rent and the person had the rent, like, mm-hmm. they had to give it to you. You could just be like, I don't want to give it to you. Right. Um, cherish and respect the good landlord and good agent. Okay. So everyone be nice to each other. This one just seems like we're just trying to keep violence to a minimum. <laughs> keep from traveling by night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's, like, very out of left field yeah. compared to the rest of the I rules. Know. But okay. Take no arms by day or by night from any man, as from such acts a deal of misfortune springs, having, I trust you, have more arms than you ever will have need for. Oh, we could use that in America. I know. <laughs> so I think that's just, like, if someone's got to Don't take... I don't know. I think it's that, like, don't take weapons from each other because, like, if you... What you really need is trust, not yeah. weapons. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, avoid coming in contact with either the military or police. They are only doing what they cannot help, which I think oh, is interesting. That is really interesting. Being like, it's not the police's fault that they have to enforce the law. It's the law itself that's unfair. Yeah. They're just doing their job. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think that emphasizes the yeah. institutionalism. Yeah. Of so much police work. Yeah. Yeah. For my sake, then, no distinction to any man on account of his religion, his acts alone, you are to look to. Okay. So, like, it doesn't matter who they are, how they were raised. Their title. Do not judge them by their religion or by anything like that. But how judge they treat them people. how they treat people. Mm-hmm. And then 
The last one is let bygones be bygones unless in a very glaring case. But watch for the time to come. So <laughs> Extreme case being the 2016 election. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Basically, the Molly Maguires were kind of this group. They would take burnt cork and blacken their faces mm-hmm. to like disguise themselves. Yeah. And I, earlier I said they were kind of like a vigilante group. Yeah. But they would... <laughs> my brain goes to cause shenanigans but yeah. <laughs> like if there was a landlord who was being really unfair to his tenants like maybe yeah. they'd um, break down his fence or they'd beat him up or oh, they okay, like yeah. they, were, they would cause a riot of some sort yeah. as like punishment mm-hmm. and my favorite thing that they would do during this time is the leader of the group would dress up as a beggar woman and would go into a store and ask for food for her children and if the store owner refused then like the molly Maguires would come in and ransack the place <gasps> and steal a bunch of food and grain and stuff oh my god being like you're not a nice person therefore that sounds like a biblical tale it sounds like the like yeah. what's the one that's like no one saw the beggar and then the like someone finally gave food to the beggar oh. and the beggar turned out to not be a beggar isn't it like a myth or a legend or something like that beauty and the beast you mean Okay, yeah, I guess there's beauty in the beast, but, like, no, there's, like, a parable or something that's similar. Um, that also reminds me of the real female detectives, that one woman, that Muggable Mary. Oh, yeah. Oh. Aw. So, like I said, the potato famine comes to Ireland. Yeah. And because of that, a lot of people uh, went to America, went to the United yes. States. And we love our Irish friends. Yeah. <laughs> and in America, the Molly Maguires were less were a lot less of a vigilante group than they were yeah. in Ireland. They, I, f- I imagine it would be harder, especially because yeah. so many Irish immigrants moved to cities. Yeah, but they still existed, and yeah. um, they were most prevalent in, I believe it is pronounced Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. Schuylkill, yeah. You did a really good job. I Googled how to pronounce Schuylkill's that. Schuylkill's near me. Because it's, pro- it's like spelled S-C-H-U-Y-L-K-I-L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the weirdest word ever. Schuylkill. Yeah, Yeah, that's near me. And (laughs) this area was particularly violent between 1861 and 1875. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. A lot of it was attributed to the Molly Maguires. Now, like I said, they weren't so much a vigilante group. Like, they wouldn't go around beating up landlords if they weren't treating their tenants right. They wouldn't do stuff like that. But I would say they definitely did form sort of a union for... Mm. Irish. I don't know if they were all coal miners, but a lot of them lived in coal mining areas or yeah. worked for the railroad. Coal mining was huge in that yeah. area. Yeah. So that was sort of like a union they had. And when the Civil War started up mm. in 1865, a lot of the coal workers and the people who worked for the railroad were sort of forced by their bosses to go and mm. be part of the war. Yeah. And I never really thought about the Civil War this way, but a lot of them were very angry at this because they thought of the Civil War as the as a quote unquote rich man's war, oh, which in like I feel yeah. like the Civil War is taught to us as like the South wanted slavery and the North was so anti-slavery, so they fought about it. But I guess the North wasn't quite as woke as we'd like to think they were. No, definitely not. <laughs> like obviously the government, like there were yeah there were yeah. abolitionists and the abolitionist movement was really big but it was more about the fact that the south wanted to secede for mm-hmm. like tax purposes it was a lot more about taxes 
mm-hmm. and banks than yeah. like I think we really realized. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And on top of that, there was also a lot of like Irish discrimination going on. Mm-hmm. Like there was signs for businesses that were hiring saying Irish need not apply. Yeah, yeah. Um, people really were racist towards Irish and Jewish people yeah. in America. They were routinely Black met with people. discrimination based on their religion and their heritage. And so like the only real jobs they could get were dangerous mining jobs and mm-hmm. the housing was like they had very crowded housing the like food they were buying was less quality they were Mm -hmm. very poor so it wasn't great conditions for them and basically when their bosses were they were drafted essentially essentially, by the people they worked for being like yeah i'll send you all my men and they were not happy about so there was one particular time of sort of revolt Mm -hmm. in which 24 total mine foremen and supervisors were killed wow by the mcguire's most of them were I, it was like my foreman and supervisor but it was also like they were striking at the time to yeah. protest this and like scabs a couple scabs were killed like people who mm. would go to work during the strike yeah um, they were not treated nicely and it, here's the the thing so because these these foremen and supervisors because these people were killed the president of the Reading Railroad which I read it as the Reading Railroad, <laughs> the Reading Railroad, but no, Red, no Reading, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, Franklin B. Gowan, um, in 1873, he hired the Pinkerton Detective Agency to infiltrate and destroy the Molly Maguires oh. uh, because their union organizing became an impediment to increasing railroad profit. Railroads were huge yeah. in Pennsylvania in the late 1800s. A native Irishman, James McParlin, uh, worked for the Pinkerton Detective Agency mm-hmm. and he used the alias James McKenna to infiltrate the Molly Maguires and he spent two and a half years living alongside them eventually gaining their trust but then you know tattled on them basically uh, um, but he hate a snitch yeah and they were taken to court and the same guy who hired the detective agency to catch them uh, Franklin P. Gowan served as chief prosecutor in the trials really which today is illegal yeah today legal experts look back and say this was a huge conflict of interest yeah he had no right to be sentencing them because he was literally the person yeah who they were sort of victimizing you know it was just considered like totally not cool yeah Um, and the james mcparlin um or, as his alias was, James McKenna, McKenna, testified against them all, and 20 men were sentenced to death, 10 of whom were executed on June 21st, 1877, which is now known as Black Thursday. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. 10 others were also put to death, but the date is not specified for those 10. It, it, it spewed kind of an ongoing debate, because yes, that Maguire shouldn't have killed those men, but also yeah. the justice they received was probably harsher than they should have yeah. received. And also their whole trial or trials, because it was multiple, because it was multiple people were just totally unfair and right. not, not done correctly. Right. And it's since then been a big debate in the criminal justice system as to how it should have been handled. Um, more than a hundred years later, John Cahoe, the supposed king of the Molly Maguires was granted full pardon by the state of Pennsylvania Oh. So they sort of looked back at everything and decided that, I mean, yes, people were killed, but it's been over 100 years, probably a statute of limitations. Yeah. There was motive. So, like, as an act of 
Look at what it, the justice yeah. system decided to grant this man who was like the figurehead of all of it. Yeah. Full pardon. Wow. So that's everything I have on the Molly Maguires. I do know uh, Kelsey was telling us that there's a Molly Maguire Museum in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, which is in the Schuylkill area. Oh. Um, and I've never been, but Jim Thorpe's a really cute town. We should go sometime. Um, that's I didn't I didn't really realize. I guess it's because I learned about the Molly Maguires so long ago. I thought they were a group of all women, but maybe that was just no. the name. Was well, because of that one like list of rules that right Mo- Miss Molly Maguire to her children. Yeah. So they were secret, but it's not quite as like. Yeah, it's not the same thing you think of. That's like the Illuminati or yeah, anything like no. that. Yeah, no, it was yeah. like a bunch of people who were fighting for the rights of working yeah. class people. Yeah, they sound more like um, like civil rights groups. Yeah, like the Black Panthers than I would say, mm-hmm. you know, the Thirteen Club. I think those are more comparable, for sure. Thank oh, you, Jane. That was really you. that was really interesting. I'm glad I know more about that now because yes, it's been a minute since I've had a history class. We like I, yeah. we like really did terrible things. Just so many groups of people in America, and we still do terrible yeah. things. And it's it, I feel like it's kind of like an interesting debate to be like, well, yeah, they didn't do great things, but you understand. Yeah, I think it's hard it because in, it seems like they were, and like, they didn't kill anybody but, yeah. in Ireland, but like, well, they might have. Well, but it was like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think it's complicated. It is very complicated. And they were, they especially were in a, yeah. especially in America in a system in which like the justice system was not on their side. Yeah. Do I think they should, like do I think murder is wrong? Yeah. Yes. However, if the justice system isn't on your side, it's not like they could go to anyone and be like, these people aren't treating us yeah. fairly. No one cared. People didn't care about the Irish. They didn't care about yeah. immigrants. And the reason I sort of keep using the word vigilante to describe them is because. Like, if you read their list of values, they don't want to just be causing random violence. Violence, yeah. They wanted everyone to treat each other with respect and with fairness. Right. The only people that they ever really targeted were people that they felt were not doing that. So the question is really, do they have the right to do that? Mm, I think. Mm -hmm. But I I do think it's a a cool, like, activist-type group. Yeah. was really working to try and maintain some sort of peace that they thought, like, law enforcement wasn't. Because law enforcement wasn't, like... Yeah, and I do think that they were, I mean, like I said, I went yeah. to high school with somebody whose ancestor was a Molly Maguire, and she was mm. very proud of that. And I yeah. do think that they were a very important social justice group for the Irish yes. because nobody else was standing up for the Irish. Exactly, yeah. I think that's an important, it's important to feel like someone's on your side, and we yeah. as white people, <laughs> you know, have a lot of people on our side, but the Irish were mm. not, and it's, it is interesting because now we live in a society where people are like, yeah, I'm Irish, like, it's yeah. like a very cool thing. But back then, it, like, wasn't. Yeah. People really looked down on the Irish. Which I'm sure, I mean, I know not that much about Irish immigration and discrimination, but I wonder if it was because they were so poor because they were coming straight from the potato famine. Yeah. So people just looked to them as, like, oh, all Irish are poor. I think that they viewed them similarly mm. to how many people view um, Mexican immigrants mm-hmm. now, that, like, they're coming here to take our jobs. Yeah. You know? I think that was really the issue because, in especially in cities, they hired so many people that they hired were Irish workers because unions were becoming very popular and the Irish were so desperate for a job that they didn't really care about unions and the weight they were like were like I just want a job and so they were able to get away with lower wages and stuff like that they were treated less mm-hmm. than yeah um, because they were willing to work for that money because they had just immigrated so they really needed it as opposed to those who I don't want to say non-immigrants because like we're all immigrants but you know those who had been in America longer yeah you know Alrighty. Thank you. Are you ready to talk about some stuff on Reddit? Yes. This week I found a particularly funny 
uh, what's it called? Thread? Yeah, um, a thread. What, what, R slash something? What's that? Too afraid to ask? No, it's not that. Well, this one is called um, R slash brand new sentence. Oh, subreddit. Subreddit. Mm-hmm. Subreddit. So I found this subreddit called R slash brand new sentence, <laughs> which I like the idea of. And it's basically a collection of tweets, Tumblr posts, things of that nature that all of them are just, this is a collection of words that I've never seen before. And Bo Burnham probably has will a, never see again. <laughs> Bo Burnham has a really, has really good jokes about this in one of his shows that I love. I'm excited. Um, I took a screenshot of a couple, but I'd love to just share. Share. This one um, is titled Slap Some Rice. (laughs) Typical. And basically the post is a picture of a bunch of big bags of rice at a grocery store. And then a boy's face next to it. And he just looks super strained. Oh, that guy who things are popping up. (laughs) And it says, like, trying not to slap the bags of... (laughs) of rice at supermarkets be like (laughs) and it's just him like desperately trying not to slap the bags of rice but then the funny part is this comment that is so almost empowering says why are there 50,000 people on this site holding back from doing things with literally zero repercussions for anyone in a world that will never remember the chances you didn't take don't waste (laughs) your time on this earth live your life Slap some rice. <laughs> that was truly inspirational. <laughs> like, wow. Wow. That was my favorite one I found. But the rest are just like ideas that's just like you would never see anywhere else. Like this one that says, tip, spice up your panic attack with a harmonica. Because <laughs> usually when you ha- are having a panic attack, you're like breathing pretty deep, trying to catch your breath. Oh. And so just like put a harmonica in front of your mouth and like. <laughs> like <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. Uh, Spice up your panic attack with a harmonica. Can you imagine if I said that to one of my students? They're like, I'm panicking. Here, here. Blow into this. Blow into this harmonica. Or I wonder if it would help. Because you know how sometimes they recommend if you're like having a panic attack to like get a paper bag or something, blow and through throw something into it. Yeah. And, like, I wonder if a harmonica would help calm you down. I don't know. I don't know. You could do a kazoo. <laughs> I love this one. My boss just banned overly specific nicknames, and the whole office is just staring at Rat Snitch Brian, the good time ruiner. <laughs> <laughs> Rat Snitch. I love that name. Rat Snitch Brian, the good time ruiner. Oh my gosh. Known for exactly what it sounds what like. It sounds like. <laughs> this next one is a Tumblr post that just says, imagine having the power to be invisible, but you have to be naked because your clothing wouldn't vanish. And someone <laughs> responded, imagine a tampon just floating down the street. Uh, oh no, I hate that. <laughs> I do too. I absolutely hate that. A Tumblr post that would fit in this thread is that Tumblr post that's like, in this world, it's either milked or be milked. <laughs> And then it's the response really was, not. it's really not. It's really not. I love that post. Oh, I love this one. Me. Smoking a dog treat like a cigarette. <laughs> you know, in the scheme of things, houses are just Tupperware, and we are the gods of leftovers. Or no, we are God's leftovers. Yeah. Houses are just Tupperware, and we are God's leftovers. I didn't I even think about it correctly. I don't like feeling like leftovers. No, but you know Because what? I think the problem with leftovers is that leftovers applies that you ate some of it and <laughs> didn't finish it. But I, think it I feel like, like we have too much, so you got to put them in places and it's houses. 
but like I feel like we've got I don't moldy, agree with it, like we've multiplied. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't agree with it. I'm just saying I get it in a way that I didn't when I first read it because I thought it was saying we are the gods of leftovers. Yeah. Anyway, so the response to this is my therapist visibly shaking. How did you get in my bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> How did you get in my Which bed? what? <laughs> of all the places. Maybe they were just wanted to play hide and go seek. One of my favorite theater jokes I've ever heard was a tweet that was like, my therapist, and how does that make you feel? Me, long pause, um, line, and then <laughs> stage manager, it makes you feel sad. Me, it makes me feel sad, therapist. How many times have I told you not to bring these stage managers to our sessions? <laughs> I've played a therapist in a play before. It was really hard. Ooh. It was really hard because my I had a really I had a couple of really funny lines and it wasn't a funny show, so it was like, okay, like you're the comedic relief you get like a break of comedic relief with your character, but because it was such a serious show, like saying funny lines and having the audience laugh, I was like, I also want to laugh because this is very this is a very depressing piece of theater. Wow, this got real this oh wow. I need to start over on this thread because I feel like I'm going the farther down I go the more they're all just very sexual and yeah. very dirty and bad sexy no not like sexy like ugh, uh, like yeah this headline that's just again this is brand new sentences so it's like sentences you've never heard before and you probably will never hear again <laughs> this one is truck stop camel prescribed antibiotics after woman bites it <laughs> what <laughs> The subtitle is, a vegetarian prescribed antibiotics to a camel at a truck stop in Louisiana after a woman bit it to free herself from under its weight. And there's no more information. What is going on in Louisiana? Have you done the game where you look up Florida man? And yes. Say, wait, I want to do it. Florida man. Florida. August 22nd. Here we go. Shirtless Florida man rides motorcycle down down highway while oh I need more tell me more while lying on his back wow my birthday 2018 oh mine's like kind of dark it's Florida man killed in standoff shot BB gun at deputies <gasps> that's sad yeah are those all your Reddit that's about it but I can try and find more if you maybe throw look for one while I do feral children and then we'll throw one out at oh, the okay end. sounds good um because feral children is, is it's not gonna be a feel-good one. Oh no I know there's no Mowgli's <laughs> nothing's as fun as Mowgli the jungle <laughs> nothing will ever top the jungle book <laughs> in society or or Tarzan true Tarzan's also a feral child okay are you ready to learn some stuff about feral children mm-hmm Feral children are incredibly rare. There are only about 100 documented cases. So, like, it's not like you're going to go out into the woods and find a bunch of kids, okay? Like, this is not, this is not a common thing. So don't get your hopes up in life. So there's only about 100 documented cases. And, of course, we have a couple famous fictional feral children forming out from Mowgli and Tarzan. I would also like to say that there are very few cases of feral children being raised in the wilderness since infancy. Okay. So like, it's more like, like Tarzan and Mowgli. So it's more like adopting. Yes, I would say it's more similar to adoption. The actual definition of a feral... Well, I mean, it is adoption no matter what. But right. Um, late, late, later in yeah, childhood. Right. Um, by definition, a feral child is 
A human child who has lived away from human contact from a very young age and has little or no experience of human care, loving, or social behavior, or crucially, of human language. Human language is really important. Mm -hmm. The first and most famous case of feral children is that of Wild Peter. He was found in Hanover, Germany in 1724, living off plants and climbing trees like an animal. He was 12 years old and he was unable to speak when he was found. <laughs> an overly specific nickname would be like <laughs> Peter that cannot speak English <laughs> <laughs> or speak a language. I guess it would be German. His parentage is unknown and I couldn't find what animals he was raised by or if he was raised by any or if he was kind of just living in the woods. Like kinship to animals isn't necessary. It's more the like lack of human contact. That's yeah. the actual definition of feral children. Um, but he did walk on all fours and exhibited no signs of normal human behavior. That's like, you know, did you ever watch that show Fringe? No. Oh, there's one episode where they, like, find a boy who's been, like, trapped underground for many years and he, like, somehow survived. That's really sad. But, this yeah. is, like, going to be really sad. I'm going to tell you this. Oh, I should add, there, like, there will be talk of child abuse in this, so trigger mm. warnings for that. It's really, it's really sad. Feral children are very sad. A fun fact about Wild Peter, though, is that he was found by King George the First of Great Britain. Like, the king found him. Wait, um, wh- what was he doing? Well, King George Hanover was from Hanover, Germany. Mm. That's why it was called the Hanoverian Succession. Yeah. Because all I remember about this is that the British were working so hard not to have a Catholic king that they ended up going way down the line. And mm-hmm. that's how George the First became king of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was from Germany. So he probably was back in Hanover, Germany, visiting family mm-hmm. when he discovered the wild Peter on a hunting trip. Um, and he, his daughter-in-law, the Princess of Wales, wanted him to bring wild Peter back to England. She was like, I'm fond of him. I want you to bring Aww. him to England. So they did. They brought him to Great Britain. He did not stay in Germany. Pro- that's probably also why they never found out who his parents were. He didn't even stay in Germany. People now believe that wild peter might not have been a feral child they think that he might have had pitts hopkins syndrome which is a very rare genetic disorder that severely affects cognitive ability and that might be why he was never able to talk or something like that like he might not have been raised in the wild or lived Mm -hmm. in the wild at all it's just that he was cognitively unable he was cared for for the rest of his life by a series of people hired by the royal family and he lived on several farms (gasps) in like the fields of england i guess in the summer of 1751 when he was about 40 years old he ran away from one from a farm he was staying on called broadway farm and went missing and then in october 1751 a couple of months later a fire broke out at a local parish and their jail caught on fire several inmates escaped and one who had been described as having orangutan behavior was identified as peter so, like, he had been arrested mm. and had gone missing, been arrested, and no one realized. And then when this fire happened and a bunch of inmates escaped, um, the man who was taking care of him was like, no, that's, that's Peter. And yeah. he, was able, he went back to his farm. And he died at the age of 70 after having several caretakers and staying with them. By the time of his death, he could still only really say his name and King George. Um, but those who visited said he could understand what was being said to him. So there was, like, okay. definitely recognition, yeah. um, but never the ability to speak. He's buried at St. Mary's Church in North Church, and his grave reads, Peter the Wild Boy. Mm. Um, 
although not raised by animals, I think it's important to point out Jeannie is another example of a feral child. Jeannie is a very famous case of a child who was kept inside, neglected and abused by her father for 13 years, and that stalled her cognitive development. Mm. And when she was found and discovered, she could barely speak. Like, she mm. had a lot of... She was very malnourished, underdeveloped. Yeah. That's a little hard because an important part of feral, feral children is that they lack human contact. But I think in a situation where she was only had contact with one person, that person mm. greatly abused her. Like, yeah. she does count as a feral child because she did not develop normally yeah as a as a normal human would um and that's a very famous very very sad case but it's worth if you're interested in true crime Jeannie is a very interesting very interesting story there's a documentary about her that i watched in anthropology i watched it at some point oh sociology i watched it in sociology that's what it was very interesting story and there's a great documentary about it um, a lot of the stories about feral children have very little elaboration, so I'm just going to give you a lot of short examples by animal. <laughs> Great. I love it. Yeah. There are several examples of people being raised by monkeys, <gasps> which like, doesn't surprise me. At first I was like, monkeys, but I was like, I, I that guess. That one seems like they would make the most sense to Yeah, me. I guess that, that does make sense. Tarzan. Marina Chapman claims to have lived with weeper capuchin monkeys in the Colombian jungle from the age of five to nine after, after a group of kidnappers stole her from her home and then left her in the jungle. Jerks. I know. What would that help you in any way? I'm just going to go take a kid to the woods and leave her there. I like, think she was meant to be like caught for ransom but then uh, they were on their tail so then she they just like just left, her to, her. left her to, left her to die to flee i don't know after being found she went on to get married have children and live a normal life which is incredibly unusual for feral children mm. her cognitive abilities kind of rolled back in her time but then she was able to redevelop them do you think the monkeys were at her wedding i, I doubt it <laughs> I think she left the monkeys and never saw them again. No, they, <laughs> they don't really parents. say what. Yeah, they don't really say what happened to the animals after, like they, they they find them. They rarely say what happens to them. They're their family. No, I mean that's like what the room. I think I think that's very. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about this a little bit later. But like I think feral children have been really romanticized because of the Jungle Book and because mm-hmm. we see like Bagheera and Baloo care for Mowgli. Yeah. Like the gay dads they are (laughs) we need to admit it okay but (laughs) that's like i don't think that's really how it was especially because animal a lot of animals live much shorter lifespans than humans um robert menaja lost his parents in 1985 in the ugandan civil war only three he survived in the wild with vervet monkeys until age six Mm. and there are photos of him when he was found and he like looks very like he looks very different their mannerisms like mm-hmm. really changed saturday mifune was found in 1993 at age five after spending a year with monkeys in south africa he was given the name saturday because that's the day he was found he died in 2005 at the age 17 in a fire and by then he still could not walk walk and walked and jumped like a monkey and refused to eat cooked food so it is like it is very evident that children who go and like enter the wild at this cognitive age like i think this shows so much about how much we develop between the ages of like three and nine Mm -hmm. because like children who spend the first couple years of their life around humans like one year in the woods and he still it still took 12 years for him to like and in 12 years he still couldn't roll back into like talking walking like a human which he would have learned had he stayed 
with humans. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I think this teaches a lot about cognitive development. Um, John Sesabuna went to live with vervet monkeys as a toddler when his mother died, which makes it sound like he voluntarily was like, I choose to go live with the monkeys. <laughs> I don't really understand that. Um, he learned how to forage and the monkeys protected him, which I thought was really sweet. At age seven, he was brought back to civilization, but his only forms of communication were crying and demanding food. And apparently the people, which like me Mood. too, um, but apparently the people in the village were like really afraid of him when he first came back because they like didn't understand. And so that's the other problem is there's a lot of misunderstanding. There is documentation that several children in the Hessian region of Germany lived with Eurasian wolves in the forest in 1304, 1341, and 1344. Which, like, okay, it's crazy that we have documentation of this. It's just, like, in journals. But also, like, in the 1300s, like, okay, you tell me what the difference between living with human <laughs> civilization and living with wildlife is. Because it was the Dark Ages. <laughs> Like, I think it would be just as useful to live with wolves as it would to live in a feudalist society. <laughs> Maybe I'm biased, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want to live in 1344 society. Yeah. Whereas wolves, it's like, wolves are wolves. They don't care if it's 2016 or 2005. The neighbors are mowing their lawn. I'm going to pause for a minute and see if it passes. Marcos Rodriguez Paton- Patonha? Pantoja lived with wolves for 12 years in the mountains of southern Spain in the 1940s and 50s. He was abused for many years by his stepmother and sold essentially into slavery. Um, and the people he was sold to, he sold to be like a farmhand, abandoned him in the woods, which is devastating. His story was actually adapted into a film called Entre Lobos, or Among Wolves in English. And he's still alive today. He's 73 years old. Wow. Yeah. One of the most prominent cases um, involved one of the wolf boys whose stories were really common in India. That's like a very common trope, I would say, mm-hmm. for them. Um, Dina Sanichar was discovered as a six-year-old boy sleeping in a cave, and he allegedly survived as a part of a pack of wolves in the wild. He was brought to a missionary orphanage where the missionaries tried to teach him for several years, but he never learned to speak before his death at 34 years old. Mm. Yeah. Um, some authors have suggested that he might have been the inspiration for Mowgli. Mowgli. Yeah. Oksana Mala- Malaya, she's also still alive, was raised by stray dogs for about six years after her alcoholic parents neglected her so mm. they wouldn't care for her. So she would wander around. She said in her story, when she talks about her story, she said she wandered like into a kennel, essentially, and like curled up and would sleep with the dogs there. Um, social services eventually removed her from her parents' custody at eight years old. That's when they finally realized, like, oh, this is what's going on. By that time, she walked on all fours, bared her teeth, and barked and could only say yes or no. Oksana said that she started imitating the dogs because they were more responsive to her than mm-hmm. her parents. And now she lives and works on a farm. Like, Aww. Gives back to the animals, which is sweet. Triayan Calderar. Calderar? Yeah, Calderar. That sounds right also known as the Romanian dog boy, lived without his family in, the, in Romania from ages four to seven. When he was found in 2002, doctors thought he was three because he was so malnourished when he was seven years old, which I think I would assume is kind of common. Mm-hmm. I think some animals, like those that live with wolves, like they eat a lot of meat, so that probably wouldn't be the case. But if he was like foraging through the woods... It's very possible yeah. that he was not eating enough. Um, he was found by a man whose car had broken down, and he was returned to his grandfather. And today he behaves like a normal kid. Um, oh. He's still, he's like, let's see, in 2002, he was seven. He's our age. 
<laughs> Wikipedia was like, he likes math and football. But, like, can you imagine? Be like, yeah, for, I had a three-year stint in the woods. Like, <laughs> foraged, you know. Which, like, good for him for bouncing back. But I still can't imagine, like, what's your craziest childhood story? Oh, you know, I lived in the forest for three years. <laughs> nice what's breaker a, what's, college. What's a fun fact about you that would surprise people? Yeah. lived in the woods for three years? Yeah. By myself. <laughs> Andre Tolstik was raised by dogs in Siberia from the age of three months. So he's the youngest, like one of the youngest examples and one of the only real examples of being raised from infancy. He was found in 2011 and was not able to talk, walked on all fours and would bite people mm-hmm. um, and would also sniff his food before eating it. They never saw any dogs, but because of these habits, they assumed he was raised by some sort of dog or wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like a true like what I was raised by wolves or dogs mm-hmm. t- situation. One boy was raised in the forest of Lithuania in the mid 1600s by a Eurasian brown bear. Mm. And when he was found in 1663, he was brought to the capital of Poland and like met the queen and was kind of like paraded around. I think oh. so it was like in her, it was like in the queen's journal. So we know the queen of Poland knew about it. Yeah. And there's not a lot to say afterwards, but we know that she knew about it and she like found him. And he could have just sent her to an orphanage. It was the 1600s. It's the documentation. Yeah. Missing, but she did know about it. It was in her personal records. Records show an Irish boy was being raised by sheep in 1672. <laughs> Sometime during the Soviet Union, which is all Wikipedia said. I was like, this is a long period. Sometime during that time, um, a 14-year-old boy was found living in a sheep flock and being raised by the sheep. He like, and I think this was like a farm's flock. He yeah. just, like, disguised himself into it. He had been living with his grandmother when she died, so he started living amongst the herd because he had no one else to care for him. <laughs> so he just started living with sheep. How old was he again? He was 14, but it, I think he he had been with the like sheep for quite you some know, time. though, that, like, you care for the sheep. No, like, I think his grandma... Oh, no, he, they said his grandmother died when he was six, so oh. he lived with the sheep for eight years. This one's my favorite. A boy named... Hadara was lost by his parents in the Sahara Desert at the age of two, which I can't even imagine. Also, where did he go? It's a desert. Like, how did he? Mm. How did he get away? Did he wander off in the middle of the night? Like, that's that that detail him a little bit. Like, how do you hmm. lose a kid in the desert? Um, maybe they lived in a city. I don't know. I don't know. He was lost in the desert, and he was raised by ostriches. <laughs> he was found at age twelve, and he was able to re-enter society. He did get married and have children, but like, can you imagine? being raised by an ostrich he'd ride around on it you know i have to imagine that's what he did like (laughs) if you're too like this this is a terrible joke but that that's literally that vine that's like daddy (laughs) (laughs) do i look do i look like this is like are you my mother except sad In the 1800s, some scientists believed feral children... Oh, so that's all the stories about feral children. This is just some other interesting Mm -hmm. facts. Um, In the 1800s, some scientists believed feral children were simply, quote-unquote, idiots, is what this one article said, with Mm. no capacity to learn societal behavior. Um, So there was this argument that, like, well, the only reason feral children exist is because that child was already not, like, able to learn like societal expectations mm-hmm. um but feral children were an important part of the nature versus nurture scientific debate like mm-hmm. especially because people were like no humans are naturally superior and naturally know how to do all these things but because of feral children and because it, there was proof of like what neglect does yeah a lot of scientists were starting to be like no like cognitive like we are we cognitively develop this way and, yeah you know, if we don't 
like you have to treat children a certain way and i can imagine that open up a huge debate because like children used to be just like all right go away like i feel like yeah (laughs) john mulaney's bit where he's like i was raised before children were special Um, (laughs) but it's true like kids would leave school at age 10 to go work in a factory yeah right and now there's a lot like that's not allowed and stuff like that so it's really changed the way people view Mm -hmm. raising children i think feral children were a big part of that um, the story that Laurel talked about last week about Amala and Kamala was found out to be a hoax. What? Mm-hmm. The Laurel. Two, I know. Well, it's okay. Um, the two had neurodevelopment disorders and were presented as feral children to raise money for their orphanage. <gasps> it was a hoax, yeah. There's, of course, the famous mythical legend of Romulus and Remus. Mm-hmm. Um, Romulus, who founded Rome, and they were both raised by a she-wolf. That's and like Remus a, Lupin, yeah. And Remus Lupin, as we know. Wolf-wolf. Wolf-wolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a very famous mythical legend, one of the earliest mm-hmm. of feral children. I mentioned this earlier, but Kipling's The Jungle Book really romanticized feral children because we th- then made people think, like, oh, the animals care for the kid yeah. or whatever, which is not exactly yeah. behaviorally true. I, I this I couldn't really find anything about like what animals think of young children. Mm. And like what would give them that instinct, but I think it's more that like the child imitates what the animal is doing so the animal does not feel threatened. Yeah. And then they kind of get adopted into their style. I guess yeah, cuz into their pack or whatever yeah. it is. I wonder if animals like I feel like we see other like puppies or kittens or babies of animal species and we go oh cute but I wonder if animals have that same thought of like something being cute yeah I mean I've I've read that elephants think think humans are cute, are cute people are cute which is like the sweetest thing ever I love elephants oh my god the best animals um I do also think that it's important to note that many of the cases of feral children happen in underdeveloped countries. Yeah. Countries with a lot of war, a lot of poverty, that have, like Soviet Union, a lot of economic issues mm-hmm. where children are more likely to be neglected because of poverty and things like mm-hmm. that. War. And so that's a big part of it. Like, I found no cases that happen in the United States. Not that the United States is without issues, but we are, in general, a very rich country. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of health even though healthcare is very expensive like we have access to a lot of it mm-hmm. um as opposed to several of these were in african countries uganda a lot in india mm-hmm. siberia like these very less populous less rich areas yeah it's more that's where it's more likely to happen in the last century there were nearly 50 reported cases of feral children in india alone now this is reported not proven yeah um but there are definitely areas where it is more likely to happen because of what's going on there i i there aren't any reported in america that doesn't mean that i think genie actually was in america but that was abused by a parent yeah not a lot of these other stories which was like there was a lot of stories that like someone was kidnapped and then left or whatever like results of crimes that were not within the family like outside forces i would say genie was a very inside force and that is everything about feral children yeah of course do you want to close it out with one last thing from reddit to bring it back up (laughs) again my final post that i thought was funny from r slash brand new sentence um, is just a screenshot of someone <laughs> using Google Translate and they typed in the word Satan to see what it would translate to. It doesn't show what language they were trying to translate to, but 
the English side says Satan. And then the, in Google Translate, it gives you like little like example sentences that this word would be used in or, or like different ways you could use that word. Um, and this says like Satan, for example, satanic, Satanism, Satan apostrophe S, possessive, and then Satan is my sugar daddy. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Google Translate, what? <laughs> Google Translate just exposed itself. <laughs> Satan is my sugar daddy? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. All right, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at YKWIBW Podcast. You can check out our website, I've been wondering.com. We post info from every episode every single week. If you like what you're hearing, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. Or at the very least, please consider writing us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out. If you're enjoying the show, it would really mean the world to us. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. That's I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering, Sarah? I've been waiting a couple of weeks to ask you this one because it was very similar to one. I It's very similar to something I've already asked you before, so I wanted to give it some time. Mm-hmm. But this is very on brand considering we just did a thousand piece Shakespeare puzzle. And I want to know about, this is kind of a conspiracy theory, the theory that William Shakespeare was not a real person. Oh. Like, that there's a theory that Shakespeare was. He was, but what I... Okay, like, okay. So there are some people that think, like, Shakespeare may have been more than one person or that his name wasn't really Shakespeare and he didn't write all the stuff. Like, I want to know more about the evidence that Shakespeare wasn't Shakespeare. Okay, okay. I, I will say that... I was a huge Shakespeare nerd in high school and I still consider myself one. Like I was in the theater teacher at my high school started this program sort of, it was, that was called searching for Shakespeare. And basically a lot of the classes she taught that were like art electives you could take were it was an intro to acting Shakespeare. And then the, there was this like group of about 10 girls that took that class and then loved it. So she made like an advanced Shakespeare class and loved it. Mm -hmm. And we loved it. And we took, so she kept, like, adding Shakespeare classes for it. And it was just, like, this group of friends, like, geeking out about it. So we spent a lot of time studying Shakespeare in high school, and I sort of continued that in college. And um, so I've done a lot of research into Shakespeare. So I'd be happy to share it with you, but I already have an opinion on this topic. I'm sure you already point. have an opinion. And I know I do know a lot about Shakespeare. I also love Shakespeare. Going to the Globe yeah. was one of my favorite parts of going to London. Like, I, lo- I love Shakespeare. Um, I've never seen it, but I remember when the movie Anonymous came out and I was like, this is really interesting and I want to know yeah. more about that. And I do remember English teachers mentioning, like, some people think that Shakespeare, yeah. there was a Shakespeare, but it was more than one person. There are people who believe Shakespeare was never real, that it yeah. was like an alias. I want to know, I want to know more about that. What those, those, those theories are. Those okay. theories are. Yeah. And why, and why people think that, like, is there evidence for that? Okay. Because for one man to write as much as he did is amazing. It is truly amazing. I mean, but. I do think he probably had, like, help. And a lot of his ideas were, like... Still, I also in- want to know more about that. Inspired, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like, that's a big thread in the musical Something Rotten, which I love. That, like, yeah. he steals. He steals from other, yeah. from other people. Okay. Since I'm going to be talking about a famous writer... Oh. Why don't you tell me about the Brothers Grimm? <gasps> Who were they? Ooh, double writer feature. 
something wicked this way comes. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Tell you about the Brothers Grimm. Like, who were they? Yeah. Okay. Have you seen the movie, The Brothers Grimm? No. I've heard it's scary. It is. It's creepy, but it's good. It's not, I wouldn't say scary. I thought it was scary as an eight-year-old. No, I've watched it recently, and I've been like, this is creepy, but it's cool. It's very cool. And I'm a person who's generally, like, really obsessed with fairy tales. Yeah. And I tried to watch that TV show Grimm, and it was too, I was about to say, it was too yeah. creepy for me. Grimm was scary. Brothers, The movie The Brothers Grimm is less scary than Grimm. Mm. Grimm was really scary. Absolutely, I'll tell you about the Brothers Grimm. Wow, a writer's episode. Ooh, that's what's coming at you next week. Thank you so much for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering. <laughs>